Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience and mostly daily podcast about anything and everything weather and science and earth science and even off-topic stuff from time to time. But we're sticking to weather today in a big way. More on that in just a second. I'm your host, Andre Broninger. I'm a meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And this is episode number 17 for Thursday, October the 25th, 2018. Now, today was the big reveal on the air on Fox 8 here in Cleveland in regards to our winter weather outlook. And uh, we don't take this too lightly, although we do approach it with a... uh, with a lot of disclaimers, and we'll get into all of that here coming up uh, over the course of the next few minutes as I explain to you the process and uh, some of the forecast elements and what may or may not uh, need to be tweaked as we go through this winter. And so we begin tonight by looking at the process. Process begins when we collectively here at Fox 8, and everybody has has a say, we open this up Uh, in a private group uh, online, and we start assessing uh, some of the long-term parameters. We start the process, uh, as Scott Sable mentioned, way back uh, in late July, mostly, though, the the connections, what we call the teleconnections, those pointers, those long-range pointers, really don't start establishing themselves until we get into August, and uh, certainly much more definitively as we look into the months of September. And by October, we're pretty much uh, nailing things down. And by October, uh, most of the the tweaking is relatively minor in nature. Now, having said that, just to let you know that even uh, two hours before we unveiled the winter weather outlook here at Fox 8, which was in the 6 o'clock hour, we were literally fine-tuning and tweaking some of the numbers right up to that point with the very latest uh, teleconnection data, the very latest long-range parameter data. Well, what is some of the, the data that we look at? The, the first big one is something that everybody is familiar with. And no, it's not the woolly bear because the woolly bear said it was going to be a mild winter here. Lots of orange on the woolly bear bands this year. But in terms of science, uh, let's see if science matches up. The first thing we look at is, in fact, the El Nino uh, period and the El Nino events going on in the equatorial Pacific. El Nino, which is referring to uh, the Christ child, is a phenomenon where the water suddenly warms up many times around the Christmas time period, and spreads through equatorial uh, Pacific. Now, it doesn't happen every year. As a matter of fact, the exact opposite can happen, where it suddenly cools, and that is called La Nina. Both are the child, uh, but one is uh, perhaps a little more mischievous, uh, mischievous rather than the other, and that is La Nina. But let's get back to El Nino. When El Nino really... Uh, essentially becomes the dominant force in the Pacific. And we're talking from the west coast of South America all the way out to almost Indonesia. 
then it can have a huge impact on our winter weather. And that warmth can play uh, a number of ways dependent on other parameters that come into into the fold. But this year, we do have an El Nino, but it's a different kind of El Nino. You see, when we started studying El Nino, we noticed that there were uh, times during which uh, certain parts of the equator, equatorial waters, were warming up while others were cooling. And that's what we have this year. Uh, Right now, we have a little bit of warming just to the south of Hawaii at the equator. And it's bookend on both sides by a pile of cooler water. And uh, when this happens, uh, we call it a Madoki El Nino. And when that happens, uh, some uh, specific impacts on our weather would be... Uh, different from a full-blown El Nino, of course, all dependent on other parameters that we look at. We don't just look at El Nino. There are two to three dozen parameters that we look at. But El Nino is one of the main players. Another main player this year is what the water temperature is like in the Gulf of Alaska, just south of the coast of Alaska. And this year it's warm. That's a big player. That has a tendency to direct cold air out of Canada and shove it into the eastern two-thirds of the country, the United States. Uh, Another parameter that we look at is something called uh, Arctic blocking and also what the temperatures are like in the high latitudes or high altitudes uh, areas of the Arctic. And that also is indicating that A lot of cold air from Canada is going to get forced into the United States a lot and somewhat often. You can can tell where I'm going with this. Um, Those are the three main parameters. And, of course, we looked at everything else, all kinds of other uh, connections. And a little bit later on uh, this uh, next month in November, I'll have Scott Sable on. And we'll talk about some of those connections. And some of those are very complex. And uh, Scott is a real researcher uh, at heart, and he really goes after a lot of these even minor players to to see if they're going to at least contribute or take away from what the main players of or main drivers of the winter will do. Well, let's get into our winter. Enough about all of that. Uh, as you can tell, it's a very complex thing, and we all kind of speak in, into the process. We all have an open forum. But as far as the winter goes for this year, let's take a look at it. Uh, As I alluded to, it looks like a lot of the main drivers and similarly years. By the way, when we look at this, we also do something called analog comparisons. In other words, we look at other years that have had the same setup and we see what the outcome was. It makes sense because... uh, If you have those drivers, the atmosphere will want to be happy in a certain position, so to speak. So uh, it looks like uh, with those main drivers in place, uh, we will see frequent uh, cool pattern, at least cool. And we're talking a couple of degrees below normal. Um, Initially, I thought December, January would be colder than normal, near normal February, But after looking at a lot of the teleconnections and after examining everybody's input, we decided that we were going to make 
uh, December kind of more of a wild card, near normal, uh, and then getting very cold in January, and perhaps that persisting into February. Uh, We're pretty confident that if you take December, January, February as a whole, and those are the winter months, that we will end up with a colder-than-normal winter by a couple of degrees. Uh, and in other words, there are going to be breaks. There always are breaks in, in a, any cold pattern. It's not continuously cold from start to finish. Uh, but there'll be more cold than there will be breaks, uh, milder breaks in the pattern. So kind of keep that in mind. Second, precipitation. That's a bit more of a wild card because of the storm track. It looks very similar to last year. And the last year, if you remember, the storm track was to our south. The uh, southern Appalachian into middle Appalachia and then on off the coast of New England. And that was far enough away to kind of keep us below normal. Uh, but any one of those storms could have uh, literally pulled a left-hand turn and very quickly blown that forecast. Uh, this year, it looks similar. It looks like this is going to be a bit more of a wild card because of the position of the jet stream. I think we have a better chance of seeing that jet stream uh, take one of those or two or three of those storms and shove them right up into Ohio. Now, um, we're going to take most of the comparison years and apply that and say that our snowfall will be near or slightly below normal for Hopkins Airport. Now, that's a that's an important distinction here for Hopkins Airport, uh, which doesn't get a whole lot of lake effect. We're going 58 to 68 inches a total from first flake to last flake uh, for 2018-2019. Uh, normal is 66, just to give you a milepost. Now, that doesn't count for the lake effect areas. I think we'll probably end up a little above normal for the lake effect simply because we've got a lot of cold air coming in early on and uh, reacting with the lake. So if you live in the snow belt, anticipate a little more than normal. If you live outside the snow belt, uh, at or below is the what we're thinking of. But bear in mind, this is the wild card. Uh, any number of uh, those storms, if they decide to hook up, and push into the Ohio Valley could blow that forecast altogether. And so there you have it. It looks like uh, from a scientific standpoint, we'll be a little colder than normal with near normal or slightly under normal snowfall outside the snow belt and above normal snowfall in the snow belt as the colder air starts to react to a wide open Lake Erie. Will Lake Erie freeze this year? Well, we have a, uh, a pretty good chance of that happening. We had a very warm February, if you remember, last year, and that, uh, that prevented the almost frozen over. It, it, it just about frozen over, froze over, and froze over fast, uh, but February was relatively warm, so it didn't quite get there. It was very, very close. Will it do that this year? So, uh, I think we're going to end up very, very close to that. Um, we'll probably end up anywhere between 88 and 100% ice covered at some point in the winter is the way it's looking right now. Once that happens, that shuts off the lake effect, so you no longer have to worry about lake effect as much as you do the regular synoptic scale storms that come up out of the panhandle of uh, the Gulf Coast. And uh, that's essentially where we're going to leave it in terms of a winter forecast and how we do it and all that jazz. 
And uh, speaking of that, I'm going to pull into the conversation in a couple of weeks uh, or so. We'll have Scott Sable. Uh, I'll be sitting down with him having coffee here pretty soon at a local coffee shop. And uh, maybe I'll take my portable equipment and uh, we'll sit down and we'll talk about the, the winter weather outlook and all of the little nuances that I really didn't talk about here and uh, I'll let him explain all of that. We've got a great team. Jen Harcher, Melissa Mack, A.J. Colby, Scott Sable, and myself. And, of course, Dick Goddard is uh, meteorologist emeritus here at Fox 8. And uh, he always uh, enjoyed to uh, to joke around when it was time to do the winter weather outlook. He would say, ladies and gentlemen, it will turn cold and it will snow at least at some point in the winter. And uh, that's one thing that we can absolutely count on without a doubt. Hope you're having a great night, and I hope you found this interesting. And again, we're going going to elaborate on this a whole lot more in a future episode of Weather Jazz. Have a great night, everybody, and keep the rain gear handy for the weekend. And you might want to have a book or maybe something inside the house to do. Uh, because it is going to be damp and a bit rainy, especially Saturday, and it will be colder than normal. Incidentally, our average for the month of October is now down to just over 2 degrees above normal, whereas uh, back on October 11th, we were 12 degrees above normal. We'll continue to eat away at that uh, through the rest of this month, and just like I predicted uh, at the flip point, it looks like on paper when we close out the month, October will be a perfectly normal month, but as an old professor of mine, uh, he's no longer with us, but uh, boy, what a smart, smart man he was, Uh, and uh, he would often tell us in meteorology classes, he says, remember, there's no such thing as normal, that normal is nothing more than an average of the extremes, and we certainly had that in the month of October. It was Record-setting warmth, first uh, 11 days of October. And it wasn't record-setting cold in the last 21 days of October, but it was persistently cold to the tune of 5 to sometimes 15 degrees below normal. So grab that jacket, grab a batch of tea, your favorite hot beverage, uh, and enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you next time right here on Weather Channel.